The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. After a lifetime of ADD-induced hyperfocusing, I have decided to share the things that fascinate me. I'm Jack, and welcome to Musings of an ADD Mind. Hello everyone and welcome to the first ever Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. I'm your host Jack. I have the ADD Mind. And I thought before we go on to the normal content of this podcast that I would um, tell you a little bit about myself and about what you can expect um, on the channel, the type of content you're going to get. So, let's dive into it, shall we? I was diagnosed as being hyperactive in the 1970s, and that was long before the terms ADD or ADHD were even coined. I know that ADHD is really the more accurate and correct term. However, I went with ADD because as I've gotten older, I don't really have that much energy, let alone enough to be hyper. And I just thought ADD flowed better. So anyway, before I start talking about me, though, I wanted to give just a little bit of uh, background or info on ADD or ADHD. Males are almost three times more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD than females, and about 4% of American adults over the age of 18 deal with ADHD on a daily basis. ADD does have some coexisting conditions, and they can include Conduct disorders and difficulties, antisocial behavior, fighting, and oppositional defiant disorder, as well as anxiety disorders, depression, and then a lot of people that, are, that have ADD end up um, with some sort of substance abuse, and then you can also have sleep disorders. Catherine Nadeau, she's a PhD and a psychologist that lives in Silver Spring, Maryland, and the author of the book, ADD, Friendly Ways to Organize Your Life, has said the following about ADD. People who think ADHD means having a short attention span misunderstand what, ADD, what ADHD is. A better way to look at it is that people with ADHD have a dysregulated attention system. That, as someone that has that, I could tell you, yeah, that's probably true. It, I do seem to be dysregulated when it comes to my attention. Um, another big part of ADD is hyperfocusing. That's something I mentioned in the intro. And hyperfocusing is where, well, there's actually two types of hyperfocusing. They're sort of like in the moment 
hyper-focusing where you're reading something, watching something that interests you, doing some sort of task you find interesting, and you are so focused on it that people can walk into the room and you don't even know that they're speaking to you. Um, I know that I do this. My wife will walk in. I'm reading something. She'll start talking to me. And then I'll turn and look at her and be like, what? And she's like, who do you think I'm talking to? You're the only person in the room. And I'm over here saying, I didn't even know you were talking. And the other part of hyperfocusing is long, what I call long-term hyperfocusing. It can be a hobby or um, some sort of, you know, something that interests you, you know, and you do it over the course of years to the point to where you may not have like gone to school for it or anything like that, but you know a ton about whatever that subject is. And so that's the other part of ADD and ADHD that rarely gets sort of mentioned out in, you know, in the world. Everybody just always assumes that ADD is Oh, look, squirrel, um, which is a part of it, but there's other aspects of it as well. And um, scientists have sort of, they sort of think that perhaps hyperfocusing is thought to result from abnormally low levels of dopamine. And dopamine is a neurotransmitter that is particularly active in your brain's frontal lobes. And so they think that this dopamine deficiency makes it difficult to like shift gears so that you move from this thing that interests me, but I have to go and do this dull task and I need to switch my brain over to do it. And in a um, neuro typical brain, you're able to do that. But the, the person with ADD has a harder time um, because of that. And then speaking of neurotypical, um, as you move forward or whatever, I'll probably use this, you know, later on in the podcast and different podcasts and everything. These terms, I'm, I'm probably going to use these terms, neurodivergent, and that refers to it, individuals who have a less than typical cognitive development, such as autism, ADHD, or dyslexia. And then neurotypical refers to individuals with a typical development and cognitive functioning brain. And um, my my wife is the only neurotypical person in this in our house, and I know that's probably been difficult for her through the years. Um, but now that I've sort of uh, talked a little bit about that. I want to let you know that in the future, I do have a medical professional plan to come on and talk a little bit about ADHD. And then um, she's a pediatrician. So she's going to also talk about, you know, sort of her life and that and and that type of stuff. So I do plan on later on having a little more in-depth show about 
uh, ADD or ADHD. Um, it's just that the last, since about 2015, there are so many things that that has occurred in the world that I just want to talk about. And I just had to start with these things before I moved on to other topics. So since it's my podcast, that's what we're going to do. So anyway, now that all of that's out of the way, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about myself. I'm almost 50, and my wife Heather and I just celebrated our 27th wedding anniversary. I have three adult kids, Misty, Duncan, and Emily. And in case you're wondering, yes, I do have their permission to use their names and to talk about them a little bit in this podcast. And um, they are, I do have them planned to be guests at some point in the show, so they will be on here. They are going to be guests. Um, two of my children in, in their career fields are very, very knowledgeable. And so they're going to make great guests talking about what I'm going to have them talk about in the future. And uh, my third, my youngest child, she works in retail, which is fine. She, you know, has a lot of interesting stories about her job and working in retail during COVID-19. And then we have two dogs. We have our dog, Khaleesi, and Khaleesi is definitely my wife's dog. She is all about her. Khaleesi is a little short terrier mix kind of dog. We're not entirely sure what the mix is. We've considered doing a doggy DNA test on her just to find out, but um, we just haven't sort of gotten around to doing that yet because Part of it's like, do we really want to spend that much money just to know what her breeds are? And then, <clears throat> excuse me. And then our other dog, Higgins. My wife got me um, as a Valentine's Day gift. Um, he's a Great Dane, which was a bucket list sort of dog for me. I always wanted to own a Great Dane. And I never thought that it was going to be possible. Um, Heather and I, through our 27 years, have had every dog we've ever had was a rescue. Um, except for the dog she had when we got married, which was a Siberian Husky. But every other dog we have owned was a rescue dog from either uh, the City Pound and two of them were actually found. Um, they were drop-offs and just in a field or something, and we found them, and then they ended up living with us for the rest of their life. Because we were going to find them a home, and we did ours. But anyway, my wife got me Higgins for um, Valentine's Day, and having a Great Dane puppy is... It's a pretty cool thing because they grow incredibly fast and you know they're going to grow fast. But knowing and seeing are two different things. And so it was really cool that she did that for me. And um, obviously I'm quite happy about it. 
So moving just a little forward or a little bit more info about me. Um, I'm the son of a retired Air Force veteran. My dad did his full 20 years in the Air Force. And then I'm, as I mentioned earlier, an Army vet. And then I am the father of an Air Force veteran. Duncan was in the Air Force. And as I am recording this, he only has about a couple of weeks until his enlistment is up. So, as I mentioned earlier, Heather is the only neurotypical person in this family. My eldest daughter has ADHD and a couple of the coexisting conditions. Duncan, while he was in the Air Force, was diagnosed as being on the autism scale. He has Asperger's. And then my youngest daughter, Emily, also has ADHD and OCD and a couple of, she has anxiety too, poor kid. It all just got lumped in on her. Um, so I know that <laughs> during this 27 years, it's been difficult on my wife being the only neurotypical person. And there are just certain things that happens that she's adjusted to, knows how to deal with, but completely does not understand at all. And now, you know, my hyper-focusing, that's something that I've done my entire life. The subject interests me. It interests me. And the way my mom dealt with it sort of went like this. Hey, mom, what do you know about blank? Well, this is what I know about blank. Okay, that's not enough. I need to know more. And then mom would say, well, let's go to the encyclopedia. So we'd go to the encyclopedia and she'd help me find, you know, whatever that subject was. And uh, until a certain age, she would read that to me. And then once I started reading, I, I'm an excellent reader, always been a fast reader. I would read the articles myself. And then if that wasn't enough, the next step is mom would take me to the library. Help me find books about that subject. Check them out. Read them. You know, if there was 10 or 15 books on that subject at my particular, you know, age level or that I could read or comprehend, we just keep going back until I went through everything on that subject. And then as I got older, I'd watch, you know, documentaries about that subject. And now it's easy. You can just go on YouTube. And if something interests you, you can find tons of videos about it. Or you could get Curiosity Stream, and I mean, there's just all sorts of places if something interests you. But that's how my mom dealt with my hyper-focusing growing up. Did she handle it the correct way? I don't know. I don't know what an expert would say. But that's how my mom handled it, and it seemed to work well for me. Another part of my hyper-focusing is... When I take an interest in something or a hobby or tasks, it becomes all-encompassing. It is almost all I think about, and it can be maddening to have to deal with that because it's just like nonstop thinking about it. A couple examples of that would be several years ago now, been about 12, I got into model making, doing building Star Wars models. 
I did that for a good solid year, and then all of a sudden, not interested in it, haven't made a model since. So an example of that would be, another example is um, leatherwork. There was something that I wanted to uh, make, or I wanted, that was leather. It's a sporn. Um, it goes with your kilt, that pouch that's in the front. And a, a nice handmade leather sporn can cost you anywhere from two to $400, which I understand. There's a lot of work and knowledge that goes into making the sporn. And not to mention the cost of the leather. And so I thought to myself, well, I could learn to make a sporn. And where I live in Oklahoma City, there was a place that had free leatherworking classes. So I started going to that class and getting tools and learning how to do it, and making other things. And it's a, it's a fun little hobby to have. I really enjoyed it. But my goodness, there were times where it was just all I'd think about driving to work. Oh, hey, I just think about making my sporn. Or making this or making that out of leather. And it can be it can be overwhelming sometimes. And really the sort of perfect example of how it can be overwhelming is the following. Several years ago, our house was that we lived in a two-story house and um the the plumbing. A pipe cracked and the plumbing plumbing backed up and flooded the den underneath that bathroom. And um, we we did get an insurance settlement out of it. We had the plumber come and fix the plumbing. But we realized that if we did the work ourselves, then we could put matching flooring in uh, the whole house. So we did the work ourselves. But when you do the work yourselves on a on a very large project like that, the amount of time you have to work on it is really limited because you go to work and if you have a long commute by the time you get home and you eat, you know, you work for an hour, hour and a half, and then you got to get ready to go to bed to, you know, start over the next day and then you work on the weekends. Well, if you have plans that weekend, one of those days you don't work. So it took us like three months to get everything done. And my goodness, it was all I thought about driving to work, I'd think about, well, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. I'd have a break at work. I'd have that mental checklist that I've already checked, you know, 10 times in that day. And here I am checking it again, driving home from work. It's all I think about. I would dream about it. And it was so overwhelming <laughs> to just constantly be thinking about all of the tasks that we had to do to get the house back in order. So if you have friends with ADD and they're doing some sort of project at home, and if you know that they sort of have a hyper-focusing tendency, you need to check on them and ask them if they're okay. Maybe if you can, help them <laughs> so they can get out of that hyper-focused situation. It, they, they will thank you for it. Maybe not at the time, but later on they will thank you for it. And so. Which leads to the next part. Uh, my sort of co-issue that I have is I deal with depression. I've dealt with it my whole life. I didn't realize until I was an adult that I dealt with it as a child and a teenager. But now that I know the signs, I know that I was clearly uh, dealing with depression. And the way I've always sort of thought of depression 
is sort of like a beach with the tides. So the tides come in, and that's like normal, everyday, not depressed Jack. And then the tide goes out. And I'm talking some of those beaches, you know, the tide will go out a couple hundred yards. That's the type of beach I'm talking about. And all that's left is sort of just, you know, wet sand that's not pretty like when the tide is in. And, you know, I would deal with sort of that ebb and flow. And that's always how I've kind of considered my depression. Um, and my dad dealt with depression also. And then his mom did. Now, grandma was never diagnosed as having depression. But looking back and knowing what I know now, it's it's pretty obvious that grandma had issues with depression. And so the one sort of last thing that I want to talk about is, as I mentioned earlier, my uh, dad was in the Air Force. So that means I grew up on Air Force bases. Growing up a military brat can be pretty awesome. It can also suck because you can move every two years. But there are certain jobs or bases that your military parent can get into where you end up at a base and then they never leave. They're just there for the rest of their career. And so you... You're in this weird situation where you have to learn to be friendly with people because you're always meeting new people, you know, new kids your age. So you have to have the ability to talk enough to meet new people. But at the same time, it can be hard if you don't necessarily want to do that. But yet you have to. I'm far better at introducing myself and talking to a person for the first time than my sister. Now, I'm only six years older than my sister, but my dad retired from the Air Force when I was in the ninth grade. You know, so my sister was under 10 when dad retired, and she never really moved, so she never really had to go through that, whereas we moved a lot when I was younger, and that's sort of your formative years on how to socially interact with people, so I, I got better at that. But really, the best thing about Air Force bases is just the diversity. You grow up with friends, and it doesn't matter if, you know, they're white, African-American, Latinx, Asian, a mixture of all four. It just, it simply doesn't matter because if you're on this base and your house is assigned to you, so you have no control over your neighbors, and you end up with, you know, this giant diversity of children, and if they like the same things as you do, chances are you're going to hang out. When I was a kid, if you like playing football and baseball, we were probably going to be friends. And I feel that has made me a better adult. I didn't realize until I was a teenager that the rest of the world wasn't as diverse as the world that I grew up in on a military base. So, that is a brief synopsis of me. And now I'm going to talk about some of the topics that I plan on covering in the podcast.
I am curious about so many things. It is it is crazy. And we are going to talk about those things. And here are some of the things that fascinate me. Religions. I've done a lot of comparative religion studies. Cults. And how religions and cults affect people going on. And even if, you're, if your parents were in a cult and you leave at like 19, it affects you the rest of your life. You have things that will be with you forever. And that I've realized as I've gone through that, that there are a lot of, I guess, sects of Christianity that are a hell of a lot more culty than I knew or realized. It's different than being Southern Baptist and Methodist. But it's wrapped in this blanket of Christianity, and it's very fascinating. We're also going to talk about the evangelical church. Um, It has some viewpoints that are actually rather damaging to people once you get out of it. It's damaging while you're in it, and you don't realize it. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about my love of all things history. I do not have like a specific time frame that I like better than any other. My view of history is I think everything from yesterday to a, you know, 100,000 years ago is interesting and cool. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about sciencey things sometimes. It's just amazing the stuff that they're that a scientist you know, scientists of the various branches of science know, have discovered, have figured out advances that have been made over the last, you know, 20 or 30 years, how things change as knowledge changes in that field. And I just love that. And that's going to be some things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the modern space race, which is really a commercial space race. When people think of the space race, they think of the USA versus the USSR of the 50s and 60s. Well, there's another one going on now. And while there is one between like the US and China, it's really the commercial space industry where the space race is. There's SpaceX, Blue Origin, several others that for whatever reason I can't think of at the moment, but that race is amazing. There are so many advances that are coming out because of it. So many rockets that are so much more powerful, yet so much more efficient. We are going to talk about my love of music. I love music of all types. As a matter of fact, I have it built into my schedule that the last podcast of every month is going to be dedicated to music. I'm going to have somebody on with me. We're each going to talk about one or two musicians or bands that we love, why they're awesome. Probably won't play any of their music because of copyright issues, but we're going to do that. And who knows, maybe you'll find a new musician or band. Maybe you'll give them a listen and maybe you'll enjoy them as well. We're going to talk about my love of science fiction. I am a science fiction guy. I love Star Wars. I love Star Trek. I'm not one of those either or people. But I do think, I do like Star Wars more. I love the reimage Battlestar Galactica. I love Doctor Who. There's just so many science fiction y things that I like. And then I love, you know, comic books and comic book movies. I, I really enjoy that. And so we're going to talk about that. Um, I do have few future episodes planned where we're going to talk about that. 
But the thing that I'm really, really looking forward to is people's story, stories, what makes them them, how they got to where they are on their journey in life, good or bad. And I find that incredibly, if you meet somebody later in life, everything they experienced is, the, you know, the sum of their parts. And that's why they are the way they are at the time that you meet them. And I just think that's awesome to hear somebody's story, but people don't generally get to tell their story and their perspective on things. So I have guests that are going to come on and they're going to do that. All types of different, you know, aspects and people, and they're going to come on. And I am looking forward to that. And it reminds me of this quote that is actually from Doctor Who. And it's when the 11th Doctor was regenerating into the 12th Doctor, right before he did. Um, he said the following, but it ties into what um, I was just saying. So here it is. Well, you'll remember me a little. I'll be a story in your head. But that's okay. We're all stories in the end. Just make it a good one. Eh? And that's totally, totally true. And, you know, as long as people remember, remember you and can discuss you and talk about you, you do live longer than your actual life because you're a memory in those people's, you know, your friends and family's heart. And so you do live longer than your actual physical life because of that. And so we're going to discuss that. I have friends and family on that are going to talk about that, which sort of leads me to this other thought, which also comes from me growing up on Air Force bases. Is I just don't understand disliking somebody based solely upon their differences. In my experience, assholes come in all colors, in all religions, and all sexual orientation. Once you get to know a person, they will generally give you a reason to dislike them. And an, an actual real reason. Because they could, you know, they're a giant asshole. So get to know the person before you decide if you dislike them. And don't base it on something so stupid, you know, as skin color or religion or sexual orientation or even sex. It's just all stupid. Get to know them. Assholes come in all varieties. And just a few more thoughts um, in case you're wondering why I decided to start this podcast. My kids and several friends have been telling me over the last few years, you should do a podcast. You know so much crap about crap. Now, I'm not sure if that was because they were tired of listening to me and they wanted me to just talk into a microphone and get all of this stuff out. But I finally bowed down to peer pressure and decided, yep, I'm, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to start a podcast. So during this podcast, I'm, you know, going to talk about obviously lots of different things. And there are going to be viewpoints that I have that you are going to agree with. And there are going to be viewpoints I have that you are not going to agree with. And I would like to ask you if it's a viewpoint you don't agree with to keep listening. Listening to people you do not agree with makes you a better person, in my opinion. One of the problems in modern society is that we only 
listen to things that give us confirmation bias. It feeds into our own confirmation bias. We all have confirmation bias. And in today's society, it is so easy to only get the viewpoint that you agree with. You almost don't think that there's another viewpoint, and the people that have it are your enemies. And they are not. And here's here's a perfect example. You're scrolling through Facebook. There's a post that you like. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. You like it. Scroll a little further. A similar post. Oh, yeah, you like that. Well, after the course of a couple weeks, Facebook realizes these are the kind of posts he likes because of their algorithm. So they start showing you more and more posts that are similar to the ones that you liked. And eventually, the opposing viewpoint no longer appears in your feed and you don't see the opposing viewpoint anymore. And then on top of that, if there's something that's been shared, say you do not like MSNBC at all. You don't like any of their hosts. You don't like any of their opinions. You do not like it. Say a friend of yours shares a news article from MSNBC. You have the option, you know, just a few little touches on your phone here and there, and then you can make it to where you never see an article from MSNBC again. And after a few months, you only see things that feed your confirmation bias. And that's where the problem is is the largest in America right now, is everybody is getting fed confirmation bias in all of their social media. People have started viewing those that have a different political opinion as enemies, and that is not good. Now, that being said, I am not saying that the viewpoint of a racist or a bigot is valid. You do not need to listen to the racist or the, the racist or the bigot. Other than the fact then it is good to know that said person is a racist or a bigot. It's good to know that about people because then you can know, hey, that person's an asshole and I don't need to be around them. I don't need to listen to them. I don't have time for them. I'm not going to put them in my life. Um, As I was stating earlier, generally speaking, people will give you a reason to dislike them. And if you are a racist or a bigot, that is the perfect reason to dislike a person. So anyway, um, I think that has pretty much wrapped up sort of the intro, what to expect for this podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you will come back next week uh, to hear what I'm going to talk about then for the actual real first episode of the podcast. But I do want to leave you with this thought, which sounds contradictory because I cuss a lot. Cuss like a soldier. I'm going to try to not cuss like a soldier, but it's going to happen. And the more passionate I am about something, the more I tend to do that. So fair warning. And then also fair warning, I'm sure you noticed I have a tendency to interrupt myself. My wife calls it ADDing myself. I will try to stay on task. I will try to focus. I'm going to leave you with this thought. And I, I do try to uh, live my life by it. I often fail. 
But anyway, here goes. Try to live your life in a way that would make Mr. Rogers proud. And with that, I, I'm signing off, and I'll talk to you next week.